This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about miso, and in fact, we are drinking miso soup mm-hmm. right now. I had... A mouthful, uh, as well as some scallion, when you started this episode. Good old mouthful of miso molly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but- Matthew, let's go down memory lane. Okay. I definitely remember uh, miso soup from when I was a kid. I don't think we went to a lot of... It in Japanese restaurants? Yes. I, I, sushi restaurants. I definitely didn't... I, I, didn't go to sushi restaurants as a kid because I was afraid of sushi. Did you go to Japanese restaurants? I, I, mean, I guess when, so. When I was a kid, Japanese restaurants were sushi restaurants, as right. is the case in so much of yeah, so North America. I don't remember. Like, I don't think I had miso soup a lot when I was a kid. And definitely that's like the way I would have had miso as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely do remember like getting to like drink the soup out of the bowl. Mm-hmm. I think I think. Um, in fourth grade, we had a uh, field trip, uh, like a like a class trip to Seattle um, mm-hmm. uh, from Portland, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I know we went to a Japanese restaurant on that trip, and I bet there was miso soup there. And would you have would you have eaten it as a kid? Oh yeah, I think I would have loved it. Yeah, I remember eating it as a kid when we would go to. Oh my god, I'm blanking on the name. Hunan. Of the- no, the sushi place that we would always go to in... In Cassidy Square? No, um, <laughs> near where I was growing up. I think it was just called Tokyo. Okay. Or something, Tokyo Sushi. You, you grew up near near a place called Tokyo? <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe, maybe you've heard maybe of Maybe it. you were in like Kawasaki or... Anyway, so this was a sushi restaurant in uh, like Northwest Oklahoma City. And it was the first place I ever remember even hearing of sushi as a child uh-huh. in a landlocked state. Yeah. I remember going there and they had, you know, those little like sort of uh, plastic uh, miso soup bowls. Yeah. And they would always have like shreds of seaweed and little tiny cubes of tofu floating yes. in the miso soup. And I just remember being perplexed by why you had to stir it so much and uh-huh. so constantly because the miso, it's like, you know, it it kind of settles in these There's a name for the, the type of, of like solution or colloidal suspension that that miso forms in water like how it it uh, I, I know I've, I've seen Harold McGee use the term mm-hmm. 
No, I do. Yes, yeah, I do mean Harold McGee. I always say John McPhee when I mean Harold McGee and vice versa, but I think I'm correct this time. Uh, I don't think John McPhee would have written about me so soup. I don't know. He's a very curious person. He is. He is. But I think of him more in terms of like uh, geography Uh and oranges. Geography and oranges. Yeah, that's true. One, um, one could be known for far worse things. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Many people are. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I I think I knew of miso only as this thing that, like, goes in soup and or this thing that makes soup. And then I remember um, buying packets of, like, miso soup mix. Yes. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. I, I remember that because I bought packets of miso soup mix within the last two weeks. But I remember them not being... You know, you can buy packets of miso soup mix that are basically pre-portioned servings of miso. Yeah, with with like broth ingredients in them. Also. Yes, and but what I remember were these packets that were like kind of big. They were maybe like six by eight. Mm-hmm. They were kind of foil pouches. They had the tofu and the seaweed in there, and yeah. I think it was a powder. Oh yeah, you can definitely also get still get miso soup powder, which is not necessarily bad. No, no, I don't. Like I've had, I've had ones of those that were quite tasty. I'm sure the ones that I had were not high quality, mm-hmm. but I remember always keeping them in the cupboard in the year of college that I had an apartment. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, so while I was in college, I was in college from '97 to 2001. I was at Stanford, so I Never was. Heard of it. I remember it was very easy to find copies of the San Francisco Chronicle, which had a really good <laughs> Wednesday food section. <laughs> sure. And anyway, they were, that they was, were just scattered, like blowing around campus. Exactly. And that just got to reach down first, and pick one up. Shut up, Matthew. That was my first time ever really getting into like a newspaper's food section. Oh, yes. Like looking forward to Wednesdays because I wanted to read the food section. And it was my first time also ever paying attention to like what restaurants were being written about. Like I'd never lived near a place where you would want to read a, uh, where there were like where there's a vibrant restaurant scene. Uh-huh. Anyway, there was this. This restaurant at that time, I don't know if it's still in existence, a high-end restaurant called Hawthorne Lane Okay, in San Francisco. Sounds fancy. And it became known for its miso-glazed black cod. Oh, sure. That, you, was, that was a big popular dish a big in the trend. 90s, right? Well, so, I mean, as far as I remember, and certainly, uh, you know, I was only on the West Coast at the time, I remember Hawthorne Lane's miso-glazed black cod sort of being pointed to as this, like, trendsetter. Yeah, because there was the miso-glazed black cod, and then there's also the sake lees black cod both oh. of those were super popular in the 90s i think i was scared of of the idea of sake mm-hmm. in in the 90s still a little scared of it now um we should do a sake episode like, we should we good, should good sake is very very tasty i remember having some with you in tokyo at the eel restaurant we went to mm-hmm. and really enjoying that but I, I feel like i don't know how to order it and what i'm looking for okay. so anyway but yeah i remember for my birthday one year my parents came to town and i asked them to take me because i wanted to try this miso glazed black cod yep. and there was no way i could afford to go to this restaurant Yeah, of course and i remember maybe we went there for my 20th birthday dinner or something and it was fine it was very sweet yes sweet and rich mm-hmm. um but anyway those were my early notions of miso and i think that 
I think that like a lot of at least, um, you know, white North Americans were learning about miso around that time in the late 90s. Yeah, for when sure. it became sort of this trendy culinary ingredient. Right. And also, but like it had had a, a moment like decades earlier than that, like with like the natural and macrobiotic foods. Oh, that's because, true. Like, it was it's always been something that's like a staple at uh, at like natural food and health food stores. That's true because it, it can, it's a fermented product. So right. it has a lot of the things in it that we, you know, rave about health wise in fermented products. Right. And also like is, you know, it has lots of umami ingredient like like umami features, right. I guess. And so and so like is very useful in vegetarian cooking to impart a savory taste. You know, I grew up with the the Moosewood cookbook and Molly Katzen's one of her early books, The Enchanted Broccoli Forest, that that whole era. She must have done a lot with miso in the Probably. 70s and 80s. Yeah. So, Matthew, what's your memory? Li- oh, you did your memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Drinking miso soup from a bowl as a kid somewhere at some time. So I uh, I did the episode r- research. You did the episode. Um, that was our miso episode. Molly did it already. <laughs> oh, God. I wasn't even invited. Thanks a lot. So when I do research for our episodes, I tend to write like a like a mini thesis, mm-hmm. and I I get way in detail on things that probably I don't need to get into detail. Oh on. no, this is going to be great. So anyway, okay. So Matthew, what I'm saying here is feel free to chime in if I'm getting something wrong or if I am leaving out something interesting. Have you ever known me to not feel free to chime in? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. So most of what I learned is from Wikipedia. Okay. Be that as it may. So uh, so as, as mentioned, miso is a fermented product. It's a Japanese seasoning made from fermented soybeans. And it's fermented for anywhere from five days to several years. That's a big range. Right? And it's made with, so it's, you know, soybeans with salt and this thing called koji, which is a, a type of fungus. It's a starter culture, mm-hmm. basically. It's made by introducing a certain type of mold. Do you want to pronounce this? I like us? when the word introducing is used that way. So you, you introduce this certain type of mold. Aspergillus oryzae. You introduce it onto steamed white rice. And I guess that is the first step for creating this starter mm-hmm. culture for miso. Yeah, and that, all that same starter culture is also used for making sake. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, very cool. Miso, of course, sometimes contains other ingredients like other grains, barley, seaweed, brown rice instead Mm -hmm. of white rice, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so as I imagine most of us have seen, what results is this thick paste, this thick savory paste that's used for like sauces, spreads, Pickling vegetables, yeah, right? Um, marinating. Marinating meats. Fish, um, yeah. You know what? I didn't realize, and now you just reaffirmed it for me today. So I think because I grew up making miso soup from one of those like powdered packets, uh-huh. I never knew until last night when I was doing this research that miso soup is traditionally with a dashi stock and mm-hmm. not with water. Should we talk I, about what that is? Yes. So dashi is is a stock made from kombu, a type mm-hmm. of seaweed, and bonito. Yeah. So the, the most common dashi, dashi just means broth in uh, in Japanese, and the most common dashi is made with, with kombu, which is dried kelp, and uh, bonito flakes, which is a smoked dried fish. Yeah. They're very easy to make. You can also make a kombu dashi with just kombu. You can make like a, a dashi with dried mushrooms. But What uh, was this one? This was... Uh, Bonito and kombu. 
Okay. I was surprised. I, I made dashi for the first time sometime last year. I think I I think I like poached kabocha squash in it or mm-hmm. something. And I was stunned by how easy it was to make. It's very easy to make. Yes. And it's very quick compared um, to like, you know, a four hour chicken stock. Yeah. And it, I mean, dashi serves like a very different function in Japanese food than, than I think chicken stock does in, in Western food. No, I mean, there's overlap, certainly. Mm-hmm. But but like dashi is usually it's usually not salted. Um, you know, it picks up a tiny bit of salt from the from the seaweed and, and fish flakes. But it's uh, it is there really just to contribute an umami backbone mm. and a little bit of the of like smoky and seaweed flavor okay but it's it's very mildly flavored and just has that like savory pucker to it kind of oh cool did you like make this dashi yesterday or did uh, you make it this no morning or usually or? dashi is really best when you when you make it like when you're going to use it okay. it can it can sit overnight maybe in the fridge but it's not ideal so did you make it just now i made it uh this like just before you came over okay because it only um, takes like fifteen. Yeah, minutes and usually or I buy the dashi mix, which is which is not bad. But um, I apparently don't have any on hand. But I did have some fish flakes and and kombu, so I made it from scratch, nice. and it took like five minutes. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so let's talk about the flavor of miso because yeah. I, I really didn't know anything about this. So obviously we think of miso as being salty, which it is, but it, its flavor and its aroma all depend on the the other ingredients. Of course, on the salt content, on the way that it's fermented and how long and on like what vessel it's fermented in. Really? Yes. All these things. Are you acting like you didn't know this? Well, I didn't know the thing about the vessel. Like yes. it's, it's like if you if you like ferment it in like an old peanut can, it has like a, a <laughs> peanut flavor. So um, in, in different regions, there are different types of vessels, be it wood or mm-hmm. ceramic or whatever. Peanut, can. Pan, peanut cans. Yeah. Anyway, okay, this is directly from Wikipedia, but I thought that this Mm -hmm. was kind of cool. So many reactions occur among the components of miso, primarily the Maillard reaction. I didn't know that either. I did not know that. I think of the Maillard reaction as being... Something involving ducks. Something involving heat and meat is what I think of. I mean, it has to do with any kind of browning. Right. Well, any yeah, any kind of browning when when there's the presence of protein and carbohydrates. So, right. So, so yeah. Would you would you explain the Maillard reaction? It's it's a chemical reaction between a variety of types of protein and a variety of types of carbohydrate that produce lots of different products. That uh, what they have in common tends to be that they are brown in color and have a complex flavor, much more complex flavor than the thing you started with. Yeah. Okay. So it's like um, you can really taste the importance of the Maillard reaction when you taste, for instance, uh, boiled beef compared to like a nicely seared steak. Yeah. Or like like a like a steamed bun versus a baked bread. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, many reactions occur among the components of miso, primarily the Maillard reaction, a non-enzymatic reaction of an amino group with a reducing sugar. So protein with a carbohydrate. The volatile compounds produced from this reaction give miso its characteristic flavor and aroma. Depending on the microorganism in combination with the variety of soybean or grain used. It actually, you actually are soybean or cereal used. So I imagine someone like <laughs> dumping, dumping in some frosted flakes <laughs> that was, straight from yeah, the box. Wikipedia used the word cereal. I prefer the word grain. Fine. Many classes of flavor compounds are produced that give rise to the different types of miso. And then, then this, this description goes on. Proteolysis 
of soybean protein, so the, the breaking down of soy proteins, okay. right, produces constituent amino acids that impart an umami taste and enhance the relatively dull taste of the soybean itself. The umami effect of MSG itself is one-dimensional. However, the umami taste of miso is multi-dimensional because of all the different amino acids and fermentation products present. Right, so you got your, your glutamic acid and your... <laughs> Uh, at one point, yeah. I knew the names of the other umami acids. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, but I thought that was really interesting because, yeah, I think you think of soybeans as having this kind of very mild flavor. Yeah. But then miso, of course, has like all this stuff going on with it. Well, that's what fermentation is all about. Like aside from like the preservative aspect, it's like breaking stuff down into things that have more and more varied flavors than the thing you started with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and then you're you're like layering the the dashi flavors on top of that so it's like like all japanese food is, is pretty much like layering umami mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's also interesting to me is that the origin of miso is not totally clear and that that the different types of grain and fish misos and this is wikipedia's in the word. sense of fermented paste yeah yeah that different types of grain and fish fermented pastes have been made in japan like since the Neolithic era. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as much as 14,000 years ago. These are called Jomon miso. Jomon, the Jomon period is is the word for the Neolithic period in oh. Japanese history. Oh, okay. Great. I'm glad somebody here <laughs> knows. <laughs> that um, and that is the extent of what I know about Japanese history. Okay. From between between then and like then I can pick up some stuff like starting in like the 1850s. Anything in between there. Nope. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, stay tuned cuz you're going to get to pipe up again in a second. Okay. Anyway, so these early fermented fish and grain pastes are similar to other like early fish and soy based sauces like maybe presumably like you know fish sauce in Thailand or you know a variety of these fish based like fermented strongly flavored umami sauces so anyway another miso predecessor uh, was called shi and originated in China Mm -hmm. Uh, because miso is really high in protein and has a lot of vitamins and minerals it was apparently very important as like a nutritional thing in feudal Japan makes sense um, he, so Matthew, here we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit more Wikipedia straight from Wikipedia history because okay. I think this is interesting. All right, so in the um, Kamakura period, which was 1192 to 1333, okay, I remember it well. A common meal was made up of a bowl of rice, some dried fish, a serving of miso, and a fresh vegetable. Would the miso have been eaten straight? Well, I think it would have been kind of mushed into the rice as you eat it. Oh, have you ever done that? Just taken straight miso and mixed it into rice? No, um, I think that would be really strong with miso as it's made today. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if the miso you're talking about is like kind of more rustic and less concentrated. I would think, be my guess. I think we're going to get there in okay. a second. So, until the Muromachi period, which is 1337 to 1573, you'll notice there's a three year gap between those periods. It must have just been utter chaos. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was like everyone was gathered. Like, what? Are, what are we going to call the new period? And like it took a while. Yeah, they like, had there a were bunch of conferences. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. It was really intense. Anyway, until the Muromachi period, miso was made without grinding the soybeans. Somewhat like natto. Do you know the period we're, we're in now? <laughs> it's the one after the Edo period. Uh, no, there have been many. There have been many since the Edo period. This oh. is the uh, the Dewa era. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, in the Muromachi era... I don't know if a, an era is the same as a period. <laughs> Buddhist monks discovered that soybeans could be ground into a paste, 
which of course, you know, like really changed things. So um, in medieval times, the word, I'm going to let you say this. Temai miso. Meaning homemade miso appeared. Miso production is apparently pretty simple. So there were a lot of homemade versions Mm -hmm. in Japan during that time. Um, It was used as like military provisions for... Like as artillery? Like like ammunition? (laughs) Yeah. If you let it dry out, it becomes really hard. Okay. And you can can fire it from, you know, well, depending on the size, uh, you can fire cannons or guns. What's that word that means military stuff and sounds like another word? This is going to drive me crazy. Oh, man. It sounds something like personnel, but it means like military stuff. I'm going to let you figure that Uh. out. Anyway, um, during the Edo period, so 1603 to 1868, miso was called hishio Mm -hmm. and kuki and various types of miso that fit within each local climate and culture emerged through Japan. So you can, you got miso with terroir. Mm-hmm. And also, like, there was a popular, um, like, uh, character during that period uh, <laughs> who was, like, a monster that really loved miso and would say, cookie. <laughs> was he blue and furry? He was. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got, you can borrow appliances, like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it, no charge. <laughs> uh-huh, so like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody, nobody. Yeah, so like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. So despite the fact that apparently, according to Wikipedia, making miso is a pretty simple process, today Mm -hmm. it's mostly industrially made. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things like that, right? Well, totally. I mean, baking bread is not very complicated, but most people don't do it at home. But I wonder if this also is why it is much stronger now. Like, I I just wonder if there's something about the industrial processing that... Well, I think I think here's a absolute wild guess, which is that when you when you produce an, an, an industrial miso, you want it to have shelf stability, mm. and so it needs to be pretty salty and not very wet in mm-hmm. order to last a while on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And so that means it's going to be stronger than something you would make at home and eat over the course of a few days or weeks. Okay, 
And and these industrial misos, which is, you know, what most of us get, um, often have calcium added to them, I guess, as part of the process. And sometimes like soup stocks added. Yeah. So you can like make soup from it directly without having to do dashi uh, separately. And then uh, increasingly people are playing around with non-soybean misos. Like Did chickpea you know? miso, quinoa miso. Um you know the the restaurant Kamonegi in Seattle, yes. um, yeah. owned by uh, um, Mutsuko Soma. Mm-hmm. Um, she makes miso <laughs> from this is not a joke. Fermented cheddar jalapeno bagels. I bet that's incredible. Yeah, does it sound great? Yes, that's um, amazing. Yeah, there. Oh, there's something we we uh, we glossed over here, which is that. Um, did you know that I keep I think keep saying did you know I don't want that to be like the. The sound of my voice. Do you know where you're going to? Do, do you, you like all the, the places you'll go? Showing um, you. My parents listened to that that Diana no Ross album oh, okay. the entire through my entire childhood. Okay. Soy sauce originated as runoff from making miso. This makes sense. So, like you, you've got your your soybean. I mean, I guess it's not curds because well, I mean, you didn't curdle it, but but like you know, you're pressing stuff into into like cake. a cake of paste, and stuff is going to run off, and of course that stuff is going to have lots of umami flavor compounds and stuff too. I mean, this makes me think about the way that that fish sauce is made. Yeah. So you've got all these anchovies, all this salt. There, I've this got all barrel, these anchovies. What do that, I do? You with know, them? you're pressing them down, and what runs off is fish sauce. I wonder what they do with the anchovy itself, like the pressed down solids. I don't know. Anyone anyone with anchovy pressing experience, please get in touch. Contact at SpilledMilkPodcast.com or Facebook.com slash SpilledMilkPodcast. Mm, what do you do? Yeah. Okay, anyway. What do you so, do? So miso is usually classified uh, by a number of different like factors. Like a secret? So miso is classified by grain type, color, taste, and, and sometimes region of origin. Mm-hmm. We probably don't get a lot of those regional ones in the States, do oh, we? we? You'd be surprised. Really? Like, if you, go to, if you go to a Japanese supermarket, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Like, not, oh. not as many as you would find in Japan, but you can certainly find, like, a Kyoto miso and, like, a, a Nagoya miso and so Yeah, on. okay. Well, um, the, the most common one, most widely produced, the most common ones that we see are, are white and red. Yes. Most widely produced one is white, which mm-hmm. is also sh- Shiro miso, right? That's yep. what it's called. And then there's also one that's like mixed miso. Have yep. you ever had that one or seen it? Yes. And I uh, have also like just mixed red and white misos at home for making soup. Like this is a really common thing that Japanese home cooks do. Like um, they'll have like three different kinds of miso in their fridge. And like when they're making miso soup, just kind of take a s- spoonful of each of them because mm-hmm. uh I get it's you know it sort of feels like you're doing a little more cooking than if you were just using one mm-hmm. and get well, a little more flavor diversity. Well, and white miso like generally has a flavor profile that is sweet and and in terms of umami flavor, it's on the the lighter, softer yes. end. So it, it has, from what I understand, it has gone through less of a Maillard reaction than red miso. That makes sense, and it also has less more uh, rice and less soybean. In okay, it. and am I correct that both? Like red and white misos that we usually encounter are rice based. Both, yeah. Typically, both of them have rice are made with rice, but like a different amount of rice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, will you talk a little bit more about different miso types? Because uh, this part, like, I, I really don't know a lot. Yeah. About. So, definitely something that I have found that uh, I don't know if this is interesting or not is like I think white miso is considered like the most approachable, maybe for someone who doesn't have a lot of miso experience. 
I think actually red miso is probably a better first miso. Really? Yeah, because because white miso is quite mild. And I think there's like people who have it for the first time, there's a tendency of like, I, I don't really like get what I'm tasting. Whereas red miso will like hit you with like, this is the flavor of miso. Which one did you use in this soup? This is all red. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, so I have white miso at home that I bought particularly to make three different recipes that I made all actually last night for mm-hmm. dinner. One was kind of a, a it was a it was a quite uh like American health foody recipe using miso. Yeah. It was uh, delicata squash, potatoes, uh, cubed extra firm tofu, uh, kind of marinated in a mixture of miso olive oil and a little bit of Thai red curry paste. Okay. And then you roast all those things. You take a uh, some of the leftover marinade and you add lemon juice to mm-hmm. it. You toss torn kale with the lemon juice. So with this delicious like miso lemon curry dressing. Yeah. And then you toss all of it together. That sounds good. It also sounds to me like the miso could easily oh get lost. Oh my god, lost. the miso was totally yep. lost. It was delicious and the miso was totally lost. The other thing I made, which also was a, just a dumb use of miso, was a recipe for uh, miso glazed salmon it's you know it's winter it's not fresh salmon season all the salmon is previously frozen which can still be good which can still be good but i often think it has a stronger flavor which i don't Mm -hmm. love i mean like usually when i buy salmon i just cook it very very simply and don't do a lot of flavorings to it this time i bought some sockeye and used a miso glaze recipe that was mirin sake um, a little bit of brown sugar miso miso was the was the primary Uh ingredient in it Uh, lime zest it just tasted kind of sweet and muddy yeah and then I made some uh, miso brownies. Okay. Can I taste one? Yes. What I should also say, though, is that they are vegan, Matthew. Okay. I did weird shit with miso. You don't even taste the miso in these, do you? No. What do you think of this? I think it, I think the, the middle feels like a little like underdone, but yeah. I think it's supposed to be like that. I think it is supposed to be like that. What do you I think, mean, I think the, the flavor is te- pretty good. What do you think about the texture? I find Don't the texture love it. really weird. Do you know what that texture is? Are you about to tell me? Or? <laughs> it's ground up chia seeds mixed with water, mm, which yeah. skeeves me out. And I know that this is very like narrow minded of me. Everybody's into chia these days. Is everybody but into chia these days? Have you ever ground up chia seeds and mixed no. them with water? Because they become like the texture of egg whites. They become very like snappy. Like I'm elastic. glad you told me this after I tasted it. It's weird, right? No, I'm not sold, but the I'm flavor is good. I'm not sold either, but I, I think that this is a dumb use of miso, and I, I, it just feels gimmicky to me. So, in Kyoto... But if I were vegan, I think I'd be super psyched, because yeah. it's a very good brownie. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's a very good brownie for one that contains absolutely no animal ingredients. Sure, I agree. The miso that's associated with Kyoto is called Saikyo miso, and it's like a very white miso. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kyoto, like Kyoto cooking is like kind of the, the land of like mild flavors like letting the ingredients speak for themselves okay um and so it's uh, you know it's made used to make soup of course it's uh, it's it's used to make the new year's soup ozoni which is like made uh, it's a very light miso soup made with uh, with a cake of mochi and you eat that for new year's mm. and it's used for marinades that sounds really interesting yeah. so the mochi is in the mochi what am i talking about <laughs> the, the, the motion mo- is in the ocean <laughs> the mochi is in a bowl of broth yes Oh. With, with like vegetables also. Wow, that's really cool. But it's and it's savory mochi. Yes. Okay. 
wow, that sounds really interesting texturally. Mm -hmm. Like I, I imagine that it's like nothing else I've ever had. Absolutely. Yeah. When uh, last year, not not this New Year's when I was in Japan, but last year when I was also in Japan on New Year's, we were staying with friends in uh, Fukuoka and um, the uh, uh, the mom, Emmy Lightning, uh, made two different kinds of ozoni, the uh, like Fukuoka style and Osaka style. Mm-hmm. And the Osaka style is very similar to the Kyoto style, I think. And so mm-hmm. like one, one was made with white miso and one I think without... Uh, no, with a different blend of miso. I, I'm not remembering the details, but it was really cool to, to get to try both styles of New Year's soup. Nice. Very cool. Um, red miso is popular all over. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and like so is awase miso, which is like a mix of red and white miso. Hacho miso is, I think, probably the third most popular style. Mm-hmm. And it's a very rich, long-fermented, salty miso, I think made with just soybeans, not rice. Mm-hmm. And it's from Aichi Prefecture, which is where not Nagoya is. I think it actually originates outside of Nagoya, but like that that's like the like center center of Honshu Island like is associated with this really gutsy miso. I have some in my fridge that someone brought me from Japan and I need to open it and do something with it. It's really good with meat. How long does miso last once you've opened it? I'm glad you asked. The answer is a long time. Like certainly it, it will be fine for a year in the fridge because mm-hmm. it's fermented and has little water and lots of salt. Mm-hmm. However, the packaging that you usually get miso in at a at a supermarket is terrible. Where it's like a plastic tub, usually has a foil seal over it uh-huh. that you peel off and throw and then away, a and then a thin plastic that lid will not stay on. And even if it does, it provides like no air tightness. So what should I do? So. I found lately, you know, like the the um, plastic containers that have like the the lid that clicks on by like clicking like uh, around the edge, it like snaps, snapping. On. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have found like even just at my local supermarket, they sell a size of this that is almost exactly the size of a one pound miso container. Really? And it's and it's got a great airtight seal. So I bought a few of these for like three dollars each and every time i buy miso i decant it right into one of those and click the lid on and it's good for as long as i need it ah okay well i don't have one of those but i'm guessing i could just decant my miso into anything else that is approximately the right size but get one of those clicky clacky things they're so fun i have a bunch of the clicky clacky things but i just said you don't have one well but if i don't have one that's the right size okay i know what i'm getting for your birthday what what brand do you like of clicky clacky thing no i mean of miso that's a good question. So I will usually buy. Uh, I, I'm not brand loyal, um, but I like I like a, a brand that is imported from Japan and and has mostly Japanese on the label. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that actually makes it better. It just makes me feel good about buying it. Great. Okay. Uh, okay. But there are also. I mean, there have been a, like a lot of um, like. Uh, uh, American brands of miso like like made really well coming on the market, and I don't like I don't have a particular preference among those, but some of those are very good also. Okay, um, and what is the general proportion of <coughs> miso to dashi when you're making miso soup? Oh, I usually just kind of do it by feel. That's a good question. I feel I feel like it's going to be like a scant tablespoon per serving that might be a little high mm-hmm. um of like per per bowl but like you know when when you make miso soup like you you push the miso through a strainer usually and like you, you can yeah i'll show you my miso strainer oh. if, if you ask nicely okay uh, <laughs> And so, God, so I usually I sound like, like a total like someone who's like just arrived on this planet. Um, I mean, have you? 
Like and how do how do they do things on your planet? And when I say <laughs> well, do when things, we make I miso mean soup sex. on my planet, we we don't strain it. So it's so it's real chunky. Wait, is I, your, I think I've never made miso soup from miso soup. Do from you come from a chunky paste. planet? <laughs> you know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we do, we do it chunk style. Okay. Um, wait, what, what is the food product that's labeled chunk style? Is it like canned fruit? Because there's something that actually says chunk style on the label, and it's and chunk style is a really fun thing to say. I'm pretty sure that one of our listeners is going to know this. Okay, I mean, there's like chunk light tuna, but that doesn't oh, say chunk yeah, style. Oh, say chunk style. Okay, well later we're going to Google chunk, chunk style, style and see what happens. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think we're going to be happy no matter what. Okay. Uh, what was the question? Oh, oh, so so. We will post a, I, I bet probably just one cookbook.com has a, has a great basic miso soup recipe and we'll link to that in the show notes at spilledbuckpodcast.com. But when I make it, like I will just kind of, you know, put in a, a tablespoon or two for a couple of servings and then taste and see if it needs a little more. But I can usually tell based on the color of the soup, mm-hmm. like how concentrated it looks. Mm-hmm. This, this sounds like a real brag. Yeah, like, you're yeah, such I just, an asshole. I just have a feel for that sort of thing. Oh, God. Okay, wait. When we were in Tokyo, that sounds like a real brag, mm-hmm. too. When we were in Tokyo... Should we just scrap this episode? Yeah. When we were in Tokyo, we had this very like unexpected and extremely delicious cabbage salad type yes. thing, right? Oh, this is so good. Yeah, and so weird. So it came out as like a bowl of like a, a wedge of cabbage. It kind of, you know, you could pull it apart into its leaves. Do you think it was like Taiwanese cabbage or just I like think the green basic cabbage? green cabbage that you get in Japan is closer to what we would call a Taiwanese cabbage yeah. than like a super dense American green cabbage. The leaves I think of as being a little thinner than yeah. typical, you know, green cabbage in the US. Anyway, so this bowl came with a wedge of cabbage in it that you could easily separate into leaves. And then there was like a little crock with this kind of thick, medium brown, kind of lumpy looking yeah. paste in it. So I think that was made with hacho miso, like the really dense, salty kind. Okay. Um, that's like really dark red. And then it's for the for the dip, it's usually mixed with some some subset of sugar, mirin, soy sauce, garlic, chili flakes. And so we we spooned up little bits of this like very sticky um thick uh, chunk style sauce it was chunk style onto our plates i mean it was really like almost like the texture of peanut butter but like a little Mm -hmm. more elastic yeah i bet there is a particular region of japan that this dish is associated with but i don't know offhand what it is but that restaurant we, we spooned the this dressing or this dip onto our plates and then we would take you know a leaf of cabbage kind of like roll it up and kind of drag it through this dip yes. and then just eat it. It was so delicious. Yeah, this is something I need to try making at home. Please, hey, I've got that. I've do. got that fancy miso in my fridge. I just said I need to open it and do something with. It's cabbage time. It is cabbage time. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, another thing, we were we climbed a mountain. We did. Cl- we climbed uh, well most of the way up Mount Takao. Uh huh. In the sense that we took the chairlift halfway up and then walked like a f- thousand additional feet. After that, maybe. Maybe. maybe, but on the way, like somewhere between the chairlift and the temple where we where we ended our hike, um, there was a stand selling uh, miso miso glazed dango, which are mochi balls grilled on a stick. They were so delicious. Delicious. It's isn't there any emoji for dango? There is. It's like the you like 
like colorful balls on a stick. Yes, these were more these were more muted in color, mm-hmm. but um, not in flavor. But so so delicious and like lacquered in this miso sauce. Yes, sweet, savory. Oh my god, they were so good. Yes, um, great. Next time, next time you're you're uh, climbing a mountain, like like doing a very very gentle eat hike on Dongo. a mountain. Eat some of those. Um, there is a dish that I was thinking about making today and didn't get to it. Um, that's a miso stewed mackerel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, I feel like this is a really old school, like Japanese lunch counter dish. So you and I once went out to a little Japanese restaurant on Pike or Pine mm-hmm. in Seattle. I guess it was on Pike, I think. Okay. And we had, uh, like a Japanese lunch and I had broiled miso there. Broiled. I mean, excuse me, broiled mackerel mm-hmm. and something else. And do you remember where we were? Was that where were we? I don't remember the name of that place, but I know which place you mean. It was delicious. It's like why close to Broadway, why? right? We should yes. go back. There. Why don't we go there more often? That was probably a salt broiled mackerel. Okay, so not so this a miso. Would be, this would be like like braised in miso mm. for like till the fish starts to kind of fall apart. Sorry, yeah, it's still my foot <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's like a really like rich, savory, warming dish. Oh, um, that's not what I had. <laughs> yeah, I mean the salt salt grilled mackerel is also great. But it was more like sort of uh, it was a, it was it was not sauced. Yeah, no, this is this is like a like a saucy saucy boy. A saucy, wow. Okay, well, um, I would love to come over a different time and you can make it for yeah, me. Yeah, I don't think I've ever made it. I would like to. Uh, you could maybe post a recipe or we could link to a recipe. Think we can Just try and One do that. Cookbook would have one? That's possible. Anyway, so... Is this just becoming a Just One Cookbook fan cast? I think it is. Okay. Uh, anyway, so... so um Yeah, we've talked about a lot of different uses of miso. I think um, so. I would be curious to hear from some people who have used miso in maybe a non-vegan brownie. Okay. <laughs> um, no, no, I'm okay. just... But I don't know if we can handle the, the <laughs> onslaught of emails we're going to get from, well, but, but from I... the non-vegan miso brownie <laughs> contingent. <laughs> but I really liked the idea of, of like the depth of flavor from miso. Yes, absolutely. In with chocolate. You I know liked what? that idea I and I, miso... I wish I could Sorry. taste it more. You know what I put miso in that was really good is mashed potatoes. Really? Where, like, again, you it doesn't t- come out tasting like miso, but it just, it, like, gives it, like, a savory backbone, kind of. Did you use white or red? I believe I used white miso. Okay. For that one. Cool. Oh, that sounds great. All right. So you can find us online at SpilledMilkPodcast.com and Facebook.com slash SpilledMilkPodcast. Like, I also want to know, like, you know... Th- there are all kinds of, of miso dishes that we did not oh my gosh. end up talking about this time. Tons. And I would like to hear, like, what do you do with it? And uh, you can find us on Instagram at Spilled Milk Podcast. Please rate and review the show wherever you find it. Our producer is Abby Circatella. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. The show that's eating dongo on a stick. <laughs> I mean that's factually true. It's true. And and all of our closing jokes are we we try and stick to the facts. That's the most important yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm Matthew Amster Burton. I'm Molly Weisenberg. Woo. You should be so lucky. Seriously, we should all be so lucky. Yep. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.